Well, good morning, everyone. Surprise. Or maybe some of you aren't surprised because last year you were here at this time and you're like, oh, here he is again. Uh, Yeah, this isn't a mirage or an illusion. Uh, My name is Stan Vitus. I'm the youth pastor here at our Gilroy campus of South Valley Community Church. And I get to be up here on, as you can see, Youth Pastor Sunday. And so Youth Pastor Sunday, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Youth Pastor Sunday is the Sunday where, um, I'm going to just do a brief explanation, where uh, Isaac and Sam, they stay up way too late on uh, New Year's Eve, and I don't. I go to bed early, and so they said, you should come. No, in, in all seriousness, Youth Pastor Sunday is an opportunity for me to share something that's near and dear to my heart that affects my ministries a great deal, and I think has a huge effect on the church as a whole. And so today we're going to be talking about unity. And uh, some of you guys are probably asking, what are the turtles for? Well, I don't do this super often, uh, speak in what we in the youth group call big church. And so I just used the default uh, PowerPoint slide deck and it just had turtles in it. And I was like, all right, well, that'll work. This will be good. Uh, No, but you guys for sure will, I mean, we're going to make it like a normal service. You're going to have some Greek text on the screen. We'll have a C.S. Lewis quote. Don't worry. It's going to be like a regular Sunday morning. Um, So in talking about unity and the reason it's so important to me is I need to kind of go back a little bit. I'm going to go to the summer where we got this new youth pastor. His name is Justin Brown. Uh, He is the youth pastor. The reason I had to say I'm the youth pastor in Gilroy is Justin Brown is the youth pastor in Hollister. We got a new guy in there, and it's incredible. It's awesome. It's exciting for me, and unity is already happening between our ministries. For example, we are going to winter camp in just a couple of weeks with our high schoolers together, and that is really cool. Uh, We did the same for summer. We brought a few people, a few students from Hollister over, and they went to summer camp with us, and Justin and I got a chance to talk at summer camp, which is Hume Lake, and while we were talking up there, he said, I want to name my youth ministry, One, the name One. And I was like, okay, tell me more about that. And as we continued to talk, he talked about unity and he talked about how he wants them to come together and how he wants junior high and high school to kind of think that they are one and stuff like that. And, I, and we kept talking and we kept feeling it out. And I said, what if we do something a little different? What if we become one Gilroy and one Hollister for our high school ministry, and you take on a name that's near and dear to my heart, which is Crash, our junior high ministry, over at your junior high. So we are Crash Gilroy and Crash Hollister for junior high, and we are one Gilroy and one Hollister for high school. And our one name, which I'll put on the screen right now. There's our little logo. Our one name means that we are one group united together focused on one thing, serving Jesus. And we make sure that that is one of the most important things that the kids learn when they get inside of that room, that they are together, that they are one, that it is important for them to meet together. So... um, We have a key verse, and that's what I'm going to speak on today. We have a key verse. It's Ephesians chapter 4, and it's 1 through 16, verses 1 through 16. And so first, I want to show that verse to you in uh, Greek. 
And fortunately, I have an English version for me. Uh, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now, you guys have probably noticed, but one is assigned to seven different things. There's one body, spirit, hope, Lord, faith, baptism, and God the Father. Those who believe in Christ are the body who have been given are the body who have been given the spirit. We have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith and baptism have united us as the church under God. Now, this is who we are. We are one. Paul isn't saying this is what we need to become. He's saying this is who we are. This isn't a question that he's asking. It's an answer. It is who you are as the church. You are one. And if you think that it's about becoming one, you're wrong. You are one if you have decided to follow Jesus Christ. Now, we are one below, because there is one above us, God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. We are united under him. Have you seen this triangle before? It's been up on these screens many of times uh, for different things. This one specifically represents a potential problem. And what I mean by that is if at the top of your hierarchy in your life, if that triangle represents the things that you put first and then the things that kind of fall at the bottom, if the top of that as a Christ follower isn't God, if he doesn't make it to the top of that, then something else inevitably will right? We know this. Something else will find its way to the top of our hierarchy, the thing that we hold most important and most dear to us. And when that does, division will inevitably ensue, right? Like you, you know that especially in the church, if we don't make God the center point, the top of everything, that there's a potential for being divided. Now, there's some things that's totally okay to be divided over, right? Like, it's, I'm not talking about little nuanced things like whether or not you guys like chocolate or vanilla ice cream, although you should like chocolate, or whether or not Coke or Pepsi is your favorite flavor, or whether you like country or rock and roll, although I have opinions on all of those things. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that the church can be divided over all sorts of different things, But the reason I mention small things like this is because, unfortunately, it's been my experience I've seen before. I haven't experienced it personally, but I've seen before when when churches do get divided over things. Churches have been divided in the past over carpet or song choice, over what people wear or how loud the music is. That's, That's happened. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've been in a church where that's happened before, or maybe never, and thankfully so. But unfortunately, there's small things that can sometimes do that. Now, division can come from anywhere, obviously, if we're not careful. And division is a brokenness. So what happens when we are divided? For countries, there's war. For nations, there's civil unrest. For jobs, you could completely lose a company over division. 
at schools you see it between administration and and teachers or between teachers and students or parents and and students and teachers right like there's it can get crazy or you lose friendships or families become broken and they break apart division can be very harmful and very sad so being united especially as Christ followers, is extremely important. It's so important that Jesus, right before he is betrayed and he is arrested in chapter 17 of John, he prays for his apostles and then he prays for you. And he prays that you will be one And I'm talking about you who are Christ followers in this room. Jesus prays that you will be one and that you will be one as he is one in the Father. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you loved me. Now you see it up there, right? This section, this prayer is for us to become one together, to be united And to become one in such a way that's so great that we are one as Jesus is one with the Father. And then it gets to like the really intense part that we become perfectly one. Now, how do you become one, right? Like you're a person, you're an individual. How do individuals become one? Most of you guys, because this is the first thing I thought of, most of you guys probably think of, of teams, like a, like a sports team, something like that. Like there's a bunch of individuals that come together to do something greater than the individual could have done on their own. And some of you have been in sports teams and some of you have accomplished some great things. We see this happen uh, in really incredible ways. Sometimes we get to celebrate in the Bay Area like uh, last year when the Warriors won the championship uh, or something even the world celebrates like a couple weeks ago when Argentina came together as a team to win the World Cup, right? Like this is an exciting thing. It's a team laying down their ideas of what they need to do or who they need to be as an individual to decide as a team how do we move forward and accomplish this goal together? How do we stay on mission and stay focused so that we can win this championship. This becomes more true as the stakes get greater. Now, I'm not saying that when Lionel Messi won the World Cup that that wasn't a great moment. It was. It was great for him, and I'm sure it's everything that he worked for, right? It's a really good thing. But the stakes, they get greater and greater all the time. There's so many things that we come across in our own lives that are more important than having a trophy or having your name on a championship. I think about war. Now, I've watched interview after interview over the last week of people coming together who have been in the trenches 
together. I've watched men who haven't seen each other for 20, 30, 40 years come together and hug like nobody's business because they have experienced something together that has brought that bond closer, the unity closer than anything maybe could. And, uh, and I, you have probably not experienced being in the trenches, and if you have, thank you so much for your service. I, I, I am so grateful that there are people who have gone out and served before me. Um, but I wanted to give a small picture of what it might be like to be in the trenches of war. The trench experience, this is coming from someone who's been there, the trench experience involved the terror of mud, slime and disease, the constant threat of shell fire, heavy artillery, and new weapons such as poison gas threatened death from afar. But hand-to-hand combat with clubs and knives killed many during the grisly business of trench raids. Now, you can imagine that in the middle of all this, in the middle of death and decay, slime, sludge, being so close together and not knowing what is next to happen, that you start to build a bond that it doesn't matter what kind of things are going through your head that you think are important. Those move aside and you focus on the mission. You have to be so aware of each other, what each other is doing, and what the enemy might be doing. You have to be prepared and be ready as you move forward, united, to do something greater than you could have done on your own. And maybe you guys, war, it doesn't quite click for you. You're not like, okay, yeah, I get it. You, You don't feel that way. You don't feel like the trenches are a part of your life. Well, let's talk for a second about uh, family. I want to talk about family. Uh, My wife, Noelle, and I have been married for almost 20 years. We're going to celebrate our 20th anniversary on the 11th, which is pretty exciting. Um, And in those 20 years, of course, there have been things that we have had to uh, let go and, and drop in our lives. But in those 20 years, we have been childless for most of it. Um, recently, in the last four months, uh, we have been fostering a little baby girl, and we have had to learn what it is like to be in the trenches together. <laughs> and there's so many people that are laughing right now because you're like, yeah, yep. We, and some of you are like just as new of parents as we are, and you're like, yeah, for sure. We have learned what it takes to lay everything down and to get up to change a diaper at two in the morning for a baby who's crying and unrested, for us who are unrested doing the same thing, working together to make sure that this little life is cared for, that it has everything that that it needs. Fear, I mean, you probably remember this if you're a parent, fear that it's that the baby's not breathing right like the first few days like okay i'm sure it's not breathing now so you go over and you check and you're like right you drop you drop everything to make sure that this life is taken care of loved and that and i'm thinking way into the future and we pray for this for her every night that she knows that she's loved by god more than anything we even give her 
right? Like those things become central and it becomes this being in the trenches with the one who you are married to taking care of this little life. And like I said, it's not that there aren't, there aren't trench moments married without a kid. There are trench moments. You're working together. You're having to drop your stuff for the sake of the other. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things I talk about when I'm talking about two people getting married, right? Like when I sit down and talk to a couple, there are trench moments, right? Like there are things where you have to drop what you have for the sake of the mission, but it gets greater as the family increases, as I have found myself. And the family increases a great deal when you start talking about the family of God, right? We talked about this to start this whole thing off. This is the church, right? This is us as the church on mission. We as a church have it kind of easy, and I'm not saying like super easy, but we do. Like sometimes churches become more of like something that you shop for, like almost a flavor, like you're choosing vanilla or chocolate, especially where we live. Like kind of for reals, like if the carpet's not the right color, you could choose to go to a different church and <laughs> get a different color carpet if you didn't want it, right? Um, and then like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's what this, this is in this room right now. I'm just saying here in America specifically, in the United States, we have a lot of things to choose from. But in other places, that's not the case. In other places, church is something that you have to keep secret. Then you find yourself in the dead of night going to, hoping that no one will know that you have gone to church so that you can continue to go to church. Because if they know that you went and met in the basement, then maybe someone will come to stop you from meeting or tell you how you need to meet from now on. They will come show you what you need to do because they have the way of doing. The government will will interfere in different places in this world. And when that happens, when that's what church is to you, unity is extremely important. Dropping things for the sake of the church so that you can meet together, so that you can go out and share with the community around you the light of the world. You are in the trenches together. And so... How do we deal with what we are up against? Being a good united church. Like I already said, we're a united church. This is who we are when we have decided to follow Christ. How do we become good at this? Well, we have been given a gift through Christ. In Ephesians, the next verse after what we read, in Ephesians 4, 7, it says, but grace was given to each, of, each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It goes on to explain what this gift is in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Okay. Let's look at this. He gave us 
the apostles. He gave us the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, these are people who have studied the word, who live out the word, who are able to come and teach you the word. This is Isaac. This is me right now. I'm doing it right now. Uh, but this is Isaac, Sam, Drew, up here doing this weekly. Me, coming before the students. You have been given people to teach you these things. And you are the saints. This is so that we can equip the saints, you, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Now, I've worked in student ministries in some way, shape, or form for 28 years of my life. I know that sounds crazy because I look so young up here, but... <laughs> 28 years of my life, I've been working in student ministries. And I want you to know that this part at the bottom, look at it. Carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is a major concern. It's a major concern. It's a major concern for all of us, but it's a major concern, especially for students in junior high, in high school, who are starting to form these opinions about what the world is. And so being united is extremely important, right? Like, being united is clearly, as Paul is saying, the answer. Coming together and being able to listen to someone who knows the Scripture and can give that to you so that you can go out and live that out and have it as a part of your life regularly, this is very important. It's different now, too. It's different for students than it was when I was growing up. It's so different because they have all the same pressures that I had growing up, but they have the biggest information highway of all time that is going so fast. They have access to it at every click of the button. It is increased a million times what it was when I was growing up. And you know what I'm talking about because it's increased for you as well that these things are around that can take our attention off of who God is and put it onto something else, especially things that are made to make Christians stumble. People, people do it all the time. They put videos up that are completely untrue, are, are totally twisting words of Scripture. And so coming and meeting together as a church, it gets you into a reinforced understanding of who God is. It is something that puts you in a place where you can go out and serve him regularly. And students who are not doing this regularly, who are not part of the big church, are leaving in the handfuls. In fact, 70% of students between the age of 18 and 22 will leave the church for some amount of time. And they, they may come back. It's, it's possible that they may come back. But they're leaving for some amount of time. I made a stand chart for this. A stand chart is a chart that's officially not like licensed by anyone but Stan. It's just his. That's me. And it's, it's something that's going to help you understand what's going on so you understand the weight of this problem. First, you've got parents 
who will bring their kids to church. Now, what I'm talking about is a parent who's going, look, I want my kids to have the same values that I had when I was growing up. And so we're going to go to church. We haven't been going to church, but we're going to go to church and hopefully they'll get some of those values and they can bring those home and we can have a nice values-based home. And if that's you, there's no shame in that. In fact, thank you. That is a good, good thing. There's nothing wrong with going, I want to bring my kids to church so they can learn these values, so they can bring them home. Now, what you'll learn is the depth of where these come from, but there's no shame in this. The next thing is this. Attend church through high school. These kids get here and they attend church in like high school or in kids ministry, things like that, junior high ministry, and they make it up to 17, 18 years old, and then this is the this is the one where it gets a little sad. This is about 70% of students we're talking about. They try something else for college. And what I mean is this. They don't, they don't necessarily jump into another religion, although that's possible. That could happen. Or they don't choose atheism over Christianity, although that's possible as well. Uh, it could be something like video games. They just get stuck on video games, social media, hanging out with friends, going to the beach, choosing something besides meeting together with the body. Choosing anything besides meeting together with the body. That's the 70%. They go, anything but going to church, I'm going to do that. Now, there's a little bit of good news in this. Like I said, it doesn't always stay that all 70% stay away from church forever. There's another arrow, which is good. Um, They become a family, and this is the best arrow, Sometimes, and this is the best case scenario, sometimes they then realize, oh man, I'm missing those things from church. I'm missing them, and so I'm going to bring my kids to church, and I'm going to help them uh, hopefully have some of the same morals and values that I had when I was growing up. So that's the stand chart. And like I said, this is, this is a good chart when it gets to that last part. That bottom part's not, not so good, but... This is like best case scenario that it makes it back to that place. For 70% of people, the best case scenario is that they come back around. And for the rest, they don't come back around. So we're in the trenches. I know, it sounds pretty hopeless. You guys are like, okay, that's great. Thanks, Dan. Good New Year's service. Way to go. That's really sad. All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks for coming. Um, 70%, right? Like, that's a big number. That's a lot of people. And uh, it's probably just the tip of the iceberg, to be honest with you. And it's true that the church culture in the United States sometimes is more concerned with carpet color than with being actually united. But Paul helps us understand how to be united well. He starts off the passage in Ephesians with this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. With humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. These are things that can be learned. These are things that we can practice, right? These are things that we can do. And then he ends the section with this in 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you are a Christ follower, if you are a part of that body, then you have an important role to play. And you may not have felt that way as you walked through the doors or as I started talking about the body. You may not think that, but when you get to the part where it says when each part is working properly, it doesn't say when some parts are working properly, right? It doesn't. It says when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. All right. Okay, in love. I want to make sure we make note of this. In love. Each one of those things are in love, the three things that Paul points to. Let me say this one more time. This isn't a sermon. I'm not teaching you about how to become united. You, if you have decided to follow Christ, you are united. This, is, this isn't a like, how do we do this? It's you're united. The sermon is, how do we do this well? So how do you do unity well? In Colossians 3, 12 through 13, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. How do we do it well? We bear with one another. As Paul said in Ephesians, in love, we forgive By the grace of God, you have been forgiven for all the things that you can think of that you've done. You have been forgiven as a Christ follower and now you forgive. How do we forgive? We forgive with compassion, humility, patience. Things, again, that can be practiced, can be learned. If you're not good at it today, you can get better at it, right? Like you can can work at these things. How do we do unity well? Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How do we do unity well? We build up the body in love. This is what Paul calls us to. Again, we meet together. You have been given this body so you don't neglect the body that you've been given. Imagine that you're given this crazy opportunity where someone's like, look, you got a free gym membership. We got the personal trainer. We got the classes. All of it's free. I'm going to set you up with a nutritionist who's going to make sure that you have all the food that you need that's the right food. They're going to shop for you. They're going to have it sitting waiting. They're going to cook for you, have it waiting at your house. You're going to get this all taken care of for you and you're like awesome that's great i'm so excited you are set up to have the best bod ever right you know what i'm talking about like you're like this body's gonna be looking good after this right i'm excited and then you go but just one thing uh i don't know if i want to come to the classes i'll come to some of them i don't know if i want to meet with the with the uh instructor i'll meet sometimes when it's convenient to me i'll show up at class when it's convenient to me i'll jump into the gym You can understand that the lack of consistency of doing this is going to make for not too good of a bot in that case, right? Like if you've been given all this and you go, no, I'm going to just go ahead and skimp on this one opportunity. Well, think about as a church. If you decide that you're not going to meet, if you decide that you're not going to show up because you just decide that you don't want to, 
you aren't having the consistency that it takes to build up the body. And we build up the body in love. How do we do unity well? 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 says this, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. How do we do it well? We speak the truth in love. This is what Paul reminds Timothy of in Ephesus, is that love comes from a pure heart. See, truth isn't always about confrontation or some harsh words for someone. Truth is sometimes about, and usually, about having a pure heart, a good conscience, sincere faith. About being someone who walks in a way worthy of the calling that you were, that you were called to. These things, all of them, they aren't, they aren't stuff that's always ingrained into who you are. Sometimes they are learned practices, which is why I've said multiple times that we practice them. We practice them and we practice them. You can be good at them tomorrow if you aren't today. C.S. Lewis says it this way. Yeah, you guys are like, you were waiting. But for real, love is not merely a feeling. It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit. You maintain it by the will. You maintain it by habit. This love that we are called to isn't something that just shows up. You work on it. Being one church well takes work. We lay down our differences for the sake of the greatest mission. We pay attention to what the enemy might be doing because make no mistake about it, you are in the trenches right now. The, spirit, the spiritual war wants to take your job, your friends, your loved ones, your children, your marriages, wants to take them captive. And as Christ followers, fortunately, we are in the trenches together under God. We don't fear there because we follow the one true king. He prayed for us to become perfectly one, knowing that only his sacrifice would this be accomplished. We aren't a body flailing around left to our own devices. Christ is our head. He is our guide. We are one in him. And we celebrate in this new year that he has already won the battle. We are in the trenches right now, claiming victory in his victory. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to meet together. Lord, I pray that you would remind us as we go out to our different communities that you first loved us, that it helps us every single day to go to you, put you first, and to go out and spread your news to the people who are around us. God, help us to come together regularly to be united under you. In Jesus' name, amen.